Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. On fathers. And it was a marvelous lesson. You can listen to it on, the, on our website. And today we want to continue and really put a closing touch on our series that we were doing uh, that had to do with uh, walking through some of the problems that may occur in marriage. Uh, because we've been doing a, our series of marriage uh, series, and we started with a foundation message. We went to the roles in marriage, and now we were doing just some of the problems that could occur in marriage. So today we'll, we'll continue and finish that up, and we'll start another series that's not dealing with marriage next week. But we want to start today by reviewing two weeks ago some of the things that we uh, talked about. Now, my wife and I, were, we were talking last week, a week before last, about some of the things that dealing with marriage, and we wanted to lay a foundation. Well, the biggest foundation that anyone can lay in marriage is the Word of God. No one can have any foundation other than Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. He is the, the stone that you measure everything by. And so the word of God is it. And we wanted to establish that. So we talked about three things uh, two weeks ago. One was uh, building on the rock. And we were coming from Matthew at that time. And basically we were saying that uh, you can, you can uh, build on the sand and you can build on the rock. That's your choice. You're going to build on something. But if you're not building on doing the word of God, you're actually building on sand. So let's look at one scripture that would say similar. It wasn't the scripture we used. Let's look at James chapter 1, verse 22. Let's look there. It says that, But prove yourself doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. That's very important. Very important because in the Matthew one, they were saying, Lord, Lord, uh, we've cast out demons in your name. We've done this in your name. We've done this in your name. And he said, uh, you know, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And he said that uh, he who builds on a rock, then he's building on a firm foundation. Uh, so we went through that. And this is saying the same thing. All the way through the Bible, it's going to teach you the same thing. We cannot be sitting in church just hearing the word of God, but don't do it. We cannot be uh, doing our devotional time reading the word of God, but don't do it. We cannot uh, be talking in our small groups and with our friends about the word of God, but don't do it. Doing the word of God is more important than anything else. Doing the word of God. And matter of fact, God says that if you love me, he didn't say read my commandments. He didn't say talk about my commandments. Did he? No. What did he say? Keep my commandments. So that's the most important thing. A marriage will not stand unless you do the word of God. You have to be doers of the word of God. Both people must be doers of the word of God. So whether you're single whether you are married, you have to start someplace. And as I was uh, saying two weeks ago, I started in our marriage, but I was not saved. I got saved while I was married. So I was not doing the word of God for a season while I was married. And so it caused my wife Minerva problems because I was not a man of the word of God. But once I got saved, that's when I started trying very hard to be a doer of the word of God by learning it. And I said that it, it, it was very hard because I didn't know what to do, so it was a trial and error. But for singles, you can start now. You can start practicing the word of God and doing what you need to do and getting rid of a lot of baggage that you're gonna, that the people bring into marriage. Most everybody bring baggage into marriage. And so you have to start unloading some of that baggage as singles. 
So that, that's a verse that tells us that. Another verse that tells us that if you look in um, Psalm 119, 105, it tells us that uh, basically that it's his word, the word of God, your word. Now, like I said, your word, oh God, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Every place I step, I need a lamp. Now, the lights went out at our house last night. I don't know about your house, but yesterday evening it went out. And um, so we had to light candles. And then it got dark around nine or so. And, and we had flashlight and candles and things like that. I needed light to be able to walk. And that's what God wants us to know, that in this world, even though it may be sunshiny, it may be daytime, you can see everything, you don't have any problems walking in the spirit realm, you must have light. Because none of us can see in the spirit realm unless God opens our eyes so we can see in the spirit realm. There are a lot of things going on in the spirit realm that we don't see. And so he's saying that, that his word, the psalmist is saying, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's, what's, that's what um, married couples are going to have to walk by, and singles you're going to have to learn before you get married. You're going to have to start walking by the word of God. It has, to be, it has to be a light for every step you take, every word you say, every place you go. The word has to be a guide for that. And it has to be a light so you know the path to take. That's what we were, we were laying a foundation for. We said that you needed to, the second point, we said we gave three points. said you needed to uh, get rid of fear, fear, drive out fear. And in first, uh, Second Timothy 1.7, it tells us that, uh, it tells us that, that basically that we needed to have, get rid of fear. That's what it says, get rid of fear. Uh, so it's important that God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, the King James would say, but a power. That power is dunamis, of, of love and a sound mind. And we have to drive out fear because you can have fear in any area. Um, Minerva happened to be talking about fear uh, when she was talking about uh, not being in the word and this enemy came against her and things like that. Uh, in prayer, but uh, you can have fear in a lot of areas. A, a wife can fear submitting to her husband because she's been under oppressive uh, authority all her life, maybe from her father, maybe from a, uh, an employer, maybe from whoever. But uh, regardless, she can be in fear of following that husband fully because he might make mistakes. A husband can be in fear or timidity, let's, put, let's use the word timidity, can, can be in timidity in really leading his wife because he figures that, well, if I make a mistake, she's going to uh, be all over me and telling me, you know, I told you so, you should have done what I said and all this kind of stuff. So he's just like, well, you make the decision. A lot of, a lot of men do that. They, they are timid in, in leading because they don't think they can lead their wives. And a lot of wives know more spiritually than the husbands know, and so they don't, they don't want to leave because they're timid in that area. We can be timid in a lot of different areas. I know people who, who they, they are so fearful of their children. Uh, something happened to them. Uh, you know, oh, my goodness gracious, I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to do that because something might happen. This may happen. This may happen. Uh, is, this world is full of fear because the enemy tries to get us all in fear. And she happened to be talking about, my, my wife was talking about just uh, the fear that came uh, when she was, came under attack. The enemy wants to steal our faith and get us in fear. And then we talked about our spiritual unity. We happened to be talking about what her gift was, which is prayer. And one of her gifts was prayer. Uh, we happened to be talking about that. The, the, the object of the message was not for you to do what we do in uh, developing spiritual unity or to do what she does and for, uh, well, oh my goodness, she prays all night now. 
Oh, who in the world is going to pray all night? I'm not going to pray all night. That's ridiculous to pray all night. Well, you'll pray all night if God told you to pray all night. I hope you would. I know that Jesus prayed. He he prayed, he prayed, he prayed, he prayed. Jesus prayed. So if God tells you to pray, I'm sure you'll pray. But that's happened to be her gift. Okay? But your gift may be uh, like hospitality. Let's say hospitality. Well, you need to be in unity with your mate in whatever that gift is. You're going to have to find some way of developing unity. Because if you don't develop unity, you're going to do your back ships passing at night. You have a job, she has a job, or she may be at home, whatever the situation may be, uh, but you'll lead separate lives. Uh, you have your recreation, she has her, her uh, latest group or whatever they may have, and you do nothing together, Holly, but take a vacation. That's all you do together. You're going to have to find some way of having some unity. We're talking about spiritual unity. So your spiritual unity could be, whether it be uh, agreeing with your, your, your mates, hey, you have a hospitality uh, gift, so what I want to do is to um, cultivate that. So even though you may be a person who you don't even like to be around people that much. There are some people who, like, who don't like to be like around people much. So they don't want to go to parties. They, don't want to do, they, they like working behind the scenes and things, working at the computer, whatever the situation may be. And the wife may be, hey, let's have some people over. Oh, man, I don't want to have nobody over. Well, see, if that's her gift, if you have to subject her to that, all her life, or married life, that's not, she's not going to be a happy camper if God give, has given her that gift. He just, had, he just gave whatever gift of, of prayer and, and giving. as two of them. And so in order to have some type of unity, I try to tap into that and try to um, help facilitate that and, and work with her on that so we can be together. That's why we pray together. Uh, but obviously, every couple needs to pray together. If you don't pray together, how are you going to tap into the, to the, uh, uh, to the scripture? He said, if two of you agree on earth, if it's touching anything to ask, it shall be done by my Father which is in heaven. How are you going to tap into agreeing together if you all can't even pray together? So uh, you don't have to pray an hour like we pray or half an hour or whatever. You don't have to do that. Nobody asks you to do that. But you do need to create some spiritual unity. It could be doing a Bible study together. Just, a, uh, you know, go to the bookstore, get a little study, and you all do that together. It could be uh, that you might want to uh, memorize something together. Read a Christian book together. Anything together. But you need to develop spiritual unity. We're trying to tell you how to develop, build an unfailing marriage. And, and not a marriage that's, that's, that's held together by your certificate that you get uh, from, you know, the, uh, the, the state. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a marriage that's, that's, that's biblical, a biblical successful marriage. That's what we're trying to, to uh, tell you about. So you need to develop that unity. We were not talking about natural unity because we, you need to have some natural unity, whether it be uh, going out, jogging together, walking together, gardening together, Plant, you know, plant flowers together, whatever you want to do. Camp together, God forbid. You know, uh, so <laughs> you know, do something together in, in, in natural. You can do something together, but you need to develop not only natural unity, but we are spiritual beings, and 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 God has not called us out of the world to be in the world. I mean, we, we, we know we're in it, but we're not of it. But so he doesn't want us doing the same thing that everyone else does. Only thing I did is got some fire insurance to keep me from Hades. But I'm doing everything else I've always done. I don't call on him unless I need him. That's not what makes marriage. Okay? So that's what we talked about last time. This week, we wanted to have another couple come up and talk about uh, one area that, that causes problems is finances. 
Uh, we've counseled so many people through the years before I was pastoring and, and while I've been pastoring, counseled so many people that finances is a difficulty, difficult situation. It causes problems in marriage, especially in young marriages. And they are not young, and so some of the things might not apply to you at this point, but some will. Can I have the two of you come up, please? This is Jim and Linda. And Jim, Jim and Linda, they've been here for, how many years have you been here? One? A little over two. Okay, a little over two. Okay, you sit over there, Linda, and you sit in the middle here, close to me, so I can uh, push you off that seat if you get rowdy. <laughs> you get rowdy. Here you go. <laughs> I think you'll be able to pass that back and forth. Uh, Linda, you might want to move a little close. Uh, no, don't you move close to her because you'll be moving far from me. You just, because you got to stay close to me. <laughs> okay. Now, we talked a little bit about some things. Uh, I talked to Jim and Linda over the telephone. And tell them how to pronounce your last name so they'll know. Let me see this. Let me see this thing on. It is on now. Yanazi. Okay. <laughs> you notice I didn't try. <laughs> you know, I did not try to pronounce that thing. Okay, Jim and Yanazi. Okay, now Jim, uh, tell them a little, a little bit about you because we have guests here and we have people who they have seen you, but they don't know too much about you. In other words, uh, you were born in Texas. Is that right? Syracuse, New York. Okay. <laughs> okay, you were born in Syracuse, and yep. and tell me, uh, tell us a little bit, a little bit, just a little bit about, uh, a little bit a about little yourself. Um, where do I start? You well, grew up in, in. I grew up in Syracuse. Um, um, we're going to lead into finances, and at a very young age, I. Uh, at 11 years old, I decided I wanted to go to a Boy Scout jamboree out in uh, California, so I went out and uh, got a morning paper route, and uh, so I had to get up every morning at about 5 o'clock, and my mother didn't like that. She says, no, don't, uh, you can't do that, but I said, well, I'm going to California when I'm 13, and I know you won't give me the money. And so I had this paper route. Uh, I went to Sunday school for many years. Uh, had a five-year attendance pin, but I didn't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Uh, I uh, joined the Navy and uh, after high school and went to Europe, made a couple cruises over there, went to the Holy Land, visited Jerusalem. I didn't know Jesus as my Savior, yet I went into the tomb where he was buried, and, you know, this was all history for me. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I met Linda in uh, 1980, mid-80s. Oh, you're uh, getting in trouble now, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> getting in trouble now. <laughs> That's, uh, on uh, a mountain up in the Adirondack Mountains, and uh, um, then... Uh, uh, we dated a few times, and eight years later, uh, after we knew each other, and I had been born again, she was born again, uh, we got married. Mm -hmm. Good, good. Let's let Linda catch up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so, you, you're from Texas also? No. Okay, we'll tell the people where you're from then, and <laughs> a, little, a little bit about you uh, and meeting Jim and things like that. Okay. He's from Malone, where they got that guy. Yeah, I was born in Malone, New York. You all know now where that is, right? You wouldn't have known three weeks ago. Um, but I grew up in Rochester. I was the middle child of my stepfather and my mom's marriage. They, uh, my stepdad's wife had died. My mom had divorced. So um, when they got married, there were five kids automatically, and I was right in the middle. And then they had uh, my sister and myself. And as far as finances go, the thing that I had to learn early on was that if I wanted anything, especially anything new, 
I'd have to go get a job and get it myself. So I started out babysitting, um, actually at 10 years old, because that's when my sister was born. So I had a lot of practice, and all the neighbors knew it. And so I had, um, after my divorce, um, I got a townhouse, and I was working. And then I lost my job. And because the computer age was changing so much, when I tried to get another job, I couldn't because I, didn't, I wasn't updated with all the technology. So I went for a year on unemployment. Um, I lost my townhouse. My car burned up. And the one thing that I had to go on was the Word of God because by then I was born again. And could I read a scripture, Pastor? Um, the thing that I learned to really help me out at a church that we that I was at at the time. Sure. And that's in Malachi chapter 3. You probably all know it. But chapter 3, verse 6 says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, how have I robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this. And Pastor was just sharing James 1.22, where the word says, Prove yourselves to be doers of the word. So here God is saying, Prove me in this. And then in the New Testament where we're born again, he's saying, Prove yourselves. So he's saying here, um, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room to contain it all. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So the thing that I had learned early on, the Lord had prepared me really for what was coming because I learned to tithe. And that saw me through all the things that I had to lose to bring me to the point where I, had, I, I went to nursing school after that. And I became a nurse, and I was making good wages. So because I was faithful, I was faithful even when I had nothing. And I could share with you so many times that in my time of need, God was right there. He was right there. And I never did it to prove, to make God prove himself. Because I had fear of the Lord. I wasn't about to say, well, I'm going to dare you, God. But in doing so, he did prove himself. And I just want to share with you, as far as finances go, there's no way that God is going to let you or me make a liar out of him. If he says it, he will do it. And so when Jim and I got married, our finances came together, and what was his was mine. <laughs> and what was mine was his. So that's the point that we've come to. And when there's a decision to be made about finances and that, it's really exciting, like with giving an offering or something, when you pray about it and God gives you the same amount, that's really exciting. And so when you learn about finances, it really probably is the one area where people have the most trouble, whether single or married. And I think that's because God realizes that's the most important area to us, you know. We, we really depend on finances, and we really get in fear if we think we're not going to have them. But God does say, test me. 
just test him. If you can have enough faith to just even test him if you have to. I just encourage you to do it because he's not a man that he would lie. He is faithful to his word. And there were, there were uh, areas mm-hmm. uh, there where you, you said you didn't have a job mm-hmm. and you lost your town home. Yeah, it was a fire. It burned and up. And you lost your car because it <laughs> burned up. And can uh, I just hear real quick on this? Because I was, this, is, this is where okay. I really learned how to tie. Oh, but anyway, oh, when my okay. car burned up, I had a little Pinto. Sure. Does anybody know what those were? Little, a little blue Pinto, right? And the amazing thing was I went to the gas station just before church, and the Lord said, don't oh. fill it up. And I thought, well, that's weird. Mm-hmm. So I didn't. I got to church, went inside. Somebody came in and asked whose car the blue Pinto was. And I go, oh, I must have parked wrong or something. I said, yeah, that's me. And they said, well, it's on fire. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Anyway, the insurance company only gave me $1,500 for my car. And I looked for a car for about a week. I went by a car lot. And I looked. This was out in the country. And I looked. And here was a white Cadillac in the back lot with a sign on it, $1,500. Now, I had been looking for a car. I never wanted a Cadillac. But that's what I ended up with. Here I was on food stamps, and I was driving a Cadillac. Let me tell you, it does happen. It does happen. So don't be judging people, okay? You don't know what was going on. But that's what happened to me. So believe me. I mean, these are the kind of stories that I could tell about what the Lord does. You rub your two nickels together. How do you tie? I had 50 cents to my name one day. I've shared this story before, but some of you, I'm sure, haven't heard it. I had 50 cents in my pocket. And the singles were going out on a Friday night to a restaurant. And I thought, well, I can't put that in the offering bucket. I won't be able to buy a cup of coffee and go out, right? (laughs) So they prayed over the offering. By the time they got done praying over the offering, I said, God, I can't hang on to this 50 cents. It's yours anyway, right? So I put it in the offering bucket on a Friday night. Sunday morning after church service, a woman came up to me and handed me an envelope And she said, Linda, the Lord just told me to give you this. So I thought it was a card of encouragement or whatever, right? So I got in my Cadillac, and I I opened up the card, and here there was $50. That's God. These are just some of the things that I would encourage you with. That's our God. You know, that's who he is. That's how he treats his kids. Amen? So... Uh, you know, I just can't encourage enough. If everything we have, this Jack, this morning we were singing a song about something about all, all is yours, Lord. I, I forget the exact words, forgive me, but that's exactly right. Because if he gave us everything in our life, what's 10%? The government asks for more than that. You know, can't we give God 10% and watch him just blow it up? We're his kids. That's what he does for his kids. Now, Jim, you uh, were an entrepreneur, I guess what people call an entrepreneur. We have other people in, in, yeah. in the congregation. They, are, uh, they, they run their own businesses and things like that. You started off early, you said around 11 years old, uh, doing a paper route. And then from there, and I, I assume you got the money to go for the uh, $300 that you needed to go to uh, there. But then how, how did you... Uh, have a job, or did you uh, start your own business? Tell us about that, because a going lot of back people to they when go I back was to eleven. How many ever heard of Norman of business. Tell us what happened in that. Well, uh, every morning when I picked up that newspaper to deliver it, right on the front page there was a little square, about two inches by three inches, and he'd give the power of positive thinking. And every day that I read that. Every day, because I was delivering um, 50, 60 of those papers. And uh, I started in coin collecting. And uh, every week I'd have to collect money for the newspapers that I sold. 
And one day, uh, I get an 1885 nickel. And uh, I was excited. This coin was like uh, $35 uh, back in 1951 when I got it. Incidentally, I just bought one of those yesterday, and I paid $925 for the same nickel. I'm, I'm 75 years old. I started my business in 1963 with my coin collection that I had collected from change or, or, or bought from uh, when I was a little kid. My dad told me when I was little, he says, don't ever plan to live on your social security. He says, make other plans. Set aside something for a rainy day. Now, my I grew up in a family. My mother was a, a farmer's daughter. My dad was a businessman. Uh, uh, my dad was a Catholic. My mother was a Protestant. My mother was a Democrat. My father was a Republican. My, my dad was a man. My mother was a woman. <laughs> uh, so, uh, after I got out of the Navy, I always had this dream when I was a little kid. I I got so interested in these coins, uh, I would get biblical coins. Like I have a Tiberius penny that you know that's in the Bible of uh, uh, Jesus said, show me a penny whose image is on it. I bought that coin from a, a, a girl. Her father was a Nazi colonel in the Third Reich in Germany who came to the United States. And she worked for a Jew. I mean, I can tell you history. I, history about a lot of stuff. Uh, widow's mites, I collected them, and a, a shekel of tire, the 30 pieces of silver, and I was interested in the history of uh, coins. Uh, in fact, in school, I wanted to, I thought about being a history teacher, and uh, the counselor said, well, why do you want to be a history teacher? And I said, well, I like the idea of having uh, July and August off in the summer. She said, you won't make a good teacher. <laughs> so I threw that away. Uh, and I thought about being a doctor. And I said, I had to go to medical school for eight years. And I didn't want to spend that kind of money. So uh, I always had this desire to open a coin store when I was a little kid. So you're younger ones. Sometimes you put something on your heart when you're really young. God will give you that. Because I, I, I really thought about that when I was 11, 12, 13. I said, gee, this is interesting, you know. And lo and behold, in 1963, I opened a store in Syracuse. I had three older brothers. Uh, they all told me that I was crazy. And uh, uh, they all had college educations. They all went to Syracuse University. And they said, Jim, don't do that, you know. But... Within the next five or six years, they all went into business also. And uh, so I did that, and uh, I sold my business in 1980 and went back into business three years later. And I moved down here, and uh, it was uh, 13 year, 2002, and I was going out of business. I was going to retire, and then... Uh, I went back in business, and I had uh, over 40 customers from Florida to New York buying coin books, coin supplies, and accessories from me, and it, it was good. God had really given me a gift, and uh, uh, I used it uh, uh, in, uh, uh, in my business. I would, I would go to shows, and I would have one whole case full of... Uh, Biblical coins or uh, uh, the first U.S. coin they put in God We Trust on a two-cent piece. And I would explain this, and people would walk up, and the display would bring a lot of attention. It gave me a chance to use my gift. My gift was evangelism. Uh, I've led people to the Lord right there. It, it shows. Uh, so God used that. and. Uh, 
What else? Now, one thing you did tell me. That's great. That's, that's great. Uh, I really, really appreciate you sharing. Now, one thing you did tell me, and you said that you don't have a budget. You, you don't have a budget. And, and, and I, I was saying, wait a minute. You can't tell people that. Because uh, <laughs> everybody, and then I was telling you about another person who I know he's here today, too. Lee Gruber told me one time he didn't budget. I said, well, if you have enough money and you don't do a lot of spending, you know, if you don't. You, you, you know, keep you the flow you of coming in. Because of delayed gratification, you, you can do that. I had a budget uh, when I was I don't know. Uh, 11, 12 years old, 13 years old. I mean, I had my paper route, I made $5 a week. 20 cents would go to my Boy Scout dues, so much would go to church. Uh, so much would be set aside for scout camp in the summer. Uh, and uh, so uh, I had a budget. I planned it. And so much uh, I would save in the uh, savings. And uh, my, dad my dad taught me that. I, had a I kept a budget probably for, except when I was in the service, but you had a I had a budget, you know, just what was going on. And, uh, Probably in like in my twenties. Yeah. When did you stop keeping a budget? But God, yeah. Okay, when you went into business, and, and yeah. okay. I mean, God blessed the business to such that. Yeah. No, when I went into in business in the sixties, uh, a lot I of coming in. I could in my store in business. Twenty-four-seven electricity bill was fourteen dollars a month. You know. It was a whole different thing. Uh, at that time, I I had mm -hmm. quit a job making a dollar sixty-five an hour. Well, I know that God has, has blessed sold it in nineteen eighty. Because you were telling us about one. a time where you sold your your um, business. And you were telling me also about a situation that happened where somebody was selling something, and you said, well, oh, that's this happened is a many, many times. And God then you just turned around and sold it and made a large just, profit. Uh, I think. Well, I mean, you've been doing something for 53 years, or I've been doing it since I was seven or eight years old. Some of these things, like. Um, like even yesterday in Raleigh, I, I could pick up something from one dealer's case because I knew the market, and I could go right over to another dealer right at the same show and turn it like that. You know, it's like, it's second nature. God's given me that gift to spot something and do it. I mean, and even though Jim started young, I just want to remind you that you're never too old to get started because I was just reading in Matthew 24 where it talked about where the master was going away and he gave ten of ten talents to one, five to another, and two to another. And it's, it's what you do with what God gives you. You know, those are gifts that he gives. And if you know him and you know his word, and you ask him, you know, what do I do with this, Lord? He will show you, you know. I mean, I'm really behind the eight ball as far as Jim and finances because I'm just learning, you know, how to gear it in the right places. You know, he talked about investing. And so, you know, you can get a great return on your money by investing it, you know. So, but my first place to invest was the kingdom of God. And so in that process, he's showing me, now I'm ready to give you something else to invest in. So that's what I'm starting to do now. And I'm not a spring chicken, but I still have plans for the rest of my life. So maybe I'll catch up with you, honey. You're ahead. <laughs> Let's give him a hand, please. Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay. Let's give him a hand, please. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. You did, you did well. It's, it's fun to see.
people who excel in certain areas, but they struggled at some point in time, and because all of us have done that. And we do have business people in here, uh, in, 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 the, in the congregation even today, that uh, uh, you want God to be such a blessing to you that uh, you don't have to have a budget, you don't have to have anything because uh, you just have a, the flow coming in and you're not a big spender anyway, so you don't have to have a budget. Now, another area that has been a problem in all marriages, and particularly in my marriage, and, and I've talked to so many people about it being in their marriage also, is communication. So we'll close by giving you some pointers in, in communication. Now, one thing that's very important is that you, gotta, you must communicate. You must communicate. And it's, it's, it's a, a, a flaw a lot of time of men because when we come home from work a lot of times, we don't want to talk. We don't want to do a lot of talking. And I know that women are different. They like to talk. And they, they want explanations of things. And we, as far as men, a lot of times we are a person of few words. So you ask us, well, how do things go at work? Same. Well, what do you, what do you mean? What, what, what did you do? Same old, same old. Did anything particular happen? No. So our conversations be just that way. And so after a while, they get to a point where they don't ask you anything. Uh, because it, you're not going to say anything. And so it leads to a lack of communication. No communication. Except when you, where you want to go eat. Doesn't matter to me. You know? <laughs> and so it's one of those, those type of things. But if you listen to women talk, my goodness gracious, uh, they can, I mean, they can stretch a, a subject matter out for hours hours. And so what, what we want to learn to do, man, is to tap into that. Why don't we ask the women sometimes, how, how did your day go, sweetheart? And if she says, oh, fine. What did you do? Oh, nothing much. Well, tell me about it. Tell me about it. Now you're being uh, inquisitive. You're priming a pump. And you keep asking enough questions and she'll say, hmm, do you really want to know? <laughs> Do you really want to know? Yes, I really want to know. I'm excited about your day. And if she feels like you're genuine, she will start opening up to you just like she opens up to her girlfriend. And, and you all can talk for days and, and talk for hours on this one subject about her day. And I know that sometimes you don't want to hear it, man, but I'm going to tell you, if you, will, uh, if, you, if you want to be like Jesus, because that's what we're supposed to be, like Jesus, suppose you go to him and you want to pull your heart out and all he says is, so what? You say, well, uh, uh, Jesus, what do you think about this? Same old, same old. Same as I thought last year. Well, what, what, what should I do about this? Whatever you want. You know, after a while, you, get to pull, you don't want to go to Jesus. But he wants to hear us. He wants, to, he, he wants us to commune with him. So, men, we have to start developing that communication and that listening ear and that inquisitive mind just like Jesus does. And I know it's, it's, it's foreign for us as men to want to do that. But I'm going to tell you that you will build an unfailing marriage by increasing your communication with your significant other, with your mate. And uh, you can start doing it even as a, as a teenager. You can um, do that as a male. I know we have male teenagers in here. Sometimes, a lot of times, they, they don't want to talk to their mothers. But you need to cultivate that with talking to your mothers also. Another area of communication is pick a time that's the right time to communicate something that's important. Sometimes we pick strange times 
to communicate, and it, it doesn't foster good communication. Okay. Uh, like what the other morning, I don't know, was it this week? Yeah, I think it was this week. Uh, I said, uh, Minerva, I wanted, I wanted to get together with uh, some of the teens in the church and what day would be good. And she said, why are you talking about that now? I said, well, I was thinking about it now. But see, she's doing her devotions. Isn't that an ignorant time to talk to somebody <laughs> about the devotion? Yeah, really. She's doing a devotion time. And, and here I am going to ask her a question. Uh, she said, well, why didn't you talk about that last night when we were sitting at the, dining room, at, 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 at the table? Well, see, I wasn't thinking about it then. <laughs> and when I thought about it, I said, hey, let me bring it on her, you know? And, and no, wrong time, wrong time. Don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. Another thing is that in communication, when your wife initiates a conversation about a topic, do not, do not take this opportunity to now want to change the topic to something else. Let me give you an example. Minerva can say, you know, I, I think you need to communicate better with me about things because you uh, made this commitment to do something and you didn't even talk to me about it. And I think it's very important that you talk to me about it beforehand. This is the wrong time for me to bring up. Well, I remember that back two weeks ago, you did this right here, and I didn't think you should have done that either. Why in the world would I bring up something about last week when she's initiating something about right now? That's the wrong time for me to bring up that. I didn't initiate the conversation. We were talking about me not communicating, and, and all I need to say is, you're right, sweetheart, forgive me, I should have... I should be more considerate of you and do that. That ends it. There's no need to bring up, but let me tell you something also that, that you need to do. Oh, my goodness gracious, you just blew it. You just blew it. I'm telling you, I've done that so many times when I was younger. Blown situations. Do not, do not tit for tat. She's going to bring up something that you need to improve on. You're going to well, let me tell you something you need to prove on. That is really ridiculous. But men, we do that sometimes. Don't do it. Don't do it. Another thing in communication that will help you is that listen to try to understand their point of view. Because a woman will have a point of view. And the same thing men have a point of view. Listen to hear their point of view, and try to understand their point of view because a lot of times what we do is listen until we can talk. We're not trying to listen to understand. We're just trying to listen enough and then, can I, get, can I say something now? You know, that's all we're interested in. So you don't want to do that. You want to try to understand them. And usually, is the men is, 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 is a problem I have, and we have as men, because women, they want to give their, get their point of view over. They want to give their heart and talk about what's on their heart. And we as men, sometimes, we want to uh, listen just for a turn to talk. But it's, it can be the same thing with the women also. Now, what we want to do also in that is realize that you do not have to agree. You don't have to agree. And sometimes we think we have to agree. We don't have to agree. You can disagree agreeably. That's what you can do. Because there's nothing wrong with that. Because if it's not sin, who says that I have to convince you of my way or you have to convince me of your way? But I do want to hear your point of view. I want to try to understand your point of view. And I'm sure that 
whenever he wants to understand my point of view. And so we listen to each other to try to understand. But then once that's over with, let's say that, I, see, I don't get bothered anymore. I used to. I, I don't get bothered anymore, but whenever I say, I don't agree. They used to, they used to not, I don't know about, ooh, that didn't, that didn't go with me. You don't agree? Why don't you agree? You know, and then I want to try to now, well, let me tell you something else about this subject. Well, I still don't agree. Well, let me tell you something else then. Why don't you agree? And so I want to try to keep on going until she agrees. That's not uh, the, the best way to communicate on either side. And women, it's the same way that men, uh, you don't have to try to uh, get them to uh, agree with you. And please don't use uh, your influence in other areas uh, if they don't agree with you. Okay, then. You know what you you can go to, you can go right on over there to Hardee's and get you something to eat. I'm not cooking anything today. <laughs> you know, don't do that uh, over the, you know the, the communication. These are just some little areas that I found in communication. It'll help us uh, because it's, it, it is an area. I'm telling you, it is an area in just about every uh, marriage counseling session whenever I've had. Communication is an issue. And if you ask the man, how is the communication? Oh, it's pretty good. You ask the woman, how is the communication? Oh, it's not good. Because we think it's good because we don't communicate. But she doesn't think it's good because we don't communicate in a way that, that's pleasing to her. So those are just a few little pointers that I want to bring out. Next week, we'll go to a whole different area. We're through with marriage. Because there are so many, many, many areas of problems that could occur in marriage that talking about them, uh, we could be talking for now that Jesus come back. So uh, uh, some things left for a marriage seminar, and, and this is not the case for a marriage seminar. So let's stand. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.